0: Tonight's reading is Jeremiah, chapter 1, and we can find uh, the chapter on page 756 in our Church Bibles. Page 756. The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anasos in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Amon, king of Judah. And through the reign of Joachim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said... I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I sent you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me, What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilling towards us from the north. The Lord said to me, From the north a disaster will be put out on all who live in the land. I am about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me, in burning incense to other gods, and in worshipping what their hands have made. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord.
1: Thank you, Julian, very much got in the world a bit i think that's um let's have a pray together now Father, as we begin this series uh, of kind of highlights of jeremiah uh, we pray that you would speak to us through your word for jesus sake amen Now, I just need to explain um, that I've been, uh, uh, we've been away this week, and so I wrote this sermon uh, probably about 10 days ago or so. Okay, uh, But I'd just like to have a word and say something uh, about Donald Trump. Now, uh, this is not a political point whatsoever, and, uh, uh, and I came up with this sort of opening thing before his uh, announcement about the state of emergency on uh, uh, Thursday or Friday, whenever it was. And uh, he wants to build a wall, doesn't he? He wants to build a wall separating the states and uh, Mexico. It's 1,954 miles Uh, Long the border, and the president is finding it somewhat difficult, shall we say, to get the funding for the wall out of the U.S. Congress, which is why he's now declared a a state of emergency. Uh, And my point is this. He may be the most powerful man on the planet, but it's still difficult for him to get his wall built. Power always has its limits, unless you're God. Unless you're God. And this evening, as we start this series on Jeremiah, chapter one tonight, as Julian has read for us, which is great. And uh, uh, you can see uh, the heading before verse four there, the call of Jeremiah. But actually underlying all this is a simple fact that we're talking about uh, the sovereign Lord, the sovereign Lord. That's what Jeremiah. Look at look at verse six, for instance. That's what Jeremiah calls him. Alas, sovereign Lord. And uh, uh, and in our church Bibles, we have the word Lord is applied to God in verse four, and seven, and eight, and nine, and twelve, and thirteen, and fourteen. That's Yahweh. That's the Hebrew name for God, who is so great. And who is so powerful and so infinitely powerful that, of course, he is just simply the sovereign Lord. Now, that is a thread which we will see running through the whole of chapter 1 in Jeremiah. Sovereign Lord. And there are four particular things we see here about this sovereign Lord, this ruling Lord. The first is that he speaks to and through us. Second, that he sends us. Third, that he judges wickedness. And fourth, that he stands with us. So uh, first, let's look at these in turn. As we're thinking of the sovereign Lord, and we think first that he is one who speaks both to and through us. Now, first of all, we need a little bit of background don't we on jeremiah and we see that in verses one to three uh, anathoth which sounds like you're eating a marshmallow at the time of speaking it doesn't it but anathoth is a little village uh, made up of priests families about three miles to kind of northwest of jerusalem just over the hill from jerusalem about an hour's walk say and uh jeremiah is a contemporary of three kings during his ministry his ministry went on for about 40 years so Yeah, it's a kind of lifetimes of ministry, really, isn't it? And uh, he was there, he was uh, hearing God and speaking God's words during the reign of Josiah. Look at the first three verses there, you can see these guys there. Josiah, he was, uh, BC dates go backwards, don't they? So Josiah was 640 to 609 BC, he was a good king. Okay, so thumbs up for uh, Josiah. And then his son Jehoiakim, uh, he was around 50, uh, 609 to 598 BC. He was a tyrant to a disaster area, bad guy. Okay, and then uh, came um, the first kind of uh, effort at, at, at carting off and uh, uh, re- reducing the whole kingdom of uh Judah to rubble uh, and then they put in a puppet guy called Zedekiah and he was there from 598 to 587 and then then the Babylonians did the job properly kind of 587 that I like, it's 598 five, to 587 and uh, Zedekiah was uh, was useless he was just like a weathercock you know like a weather vane always pointing one way or the other depending on which way the wind was blowing and uh, as Jeremiah prophesied through that 40 years that's quite a long time actually That's a lifetime of ministry, but as we will see, he stuck to it. And the role of the prophets then, and all the way through the Old Testament and all the way through the world, is to listen to God and to speak God's words. To speak God's words to people. Sometimes that speaking is about the future, but more often that speaking is about the present and addressing God's people with how they should be living now so uh, so usually it's about the present it's about aligning yourselves up or as you've got people lining yourselves up with the way that god wants you to live and in jeremiah's time and in the old testament specifically there were these people prophets who would, who would hear god's word and would then speak god's word to his people and we need to recognize that in jeremiah's time it was a time of huge turmoil in the world sounds familiar doesn't it actually for us today who knows what the world is going to be like, in at least our particular bit of the world, after March the 29th? We have no idea, do we? That's why we must pray daily for all these negotiations and so on that are happening with the EU at the moment. Uh, in Jeremiah's time, uh, the great superpower Assyria has been overthrown by the world's next superpower, Babylon. And no one knows what the future holds. No one actually knows for them, even if there is a future. They are facing annihilation as a country. And uh, they're uh, they're thinking that might well be happening in these just coming few years. Now, our situation may be not perhaps quite as uh, dramatic as that. um, But there are some parallels, aren't there? We don't know the future Which of us isn't concerned about how it's going to be? Which of us isn't or shouldn't be turning to our great God, our sovereign God, for the future of this nation and our relationship, not only with the EU, but the rest of the world? So I think Jeremiah is a book actually that is strangely relevant and worth listening to over these coming months. As one commentator wrote about this, we only begin to understand the power of Jeremiah's book if we grasp something of the chaos of his world. And God spoke to Jeremiah. Look at verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me. And then he explains what it was. And God continues to speak to Jeremiah and through Jeremiah throughout the rest of his life. And actually the speaking to Jeremiah was very often really quite personal. Personal so you see in verse five uh, the word where the lord came to me and it says in verse five lord says in verse five before i formed you jeremiah in the womb i knew you jeremiah before you were born jeremiah i set you jeremiah apart i appointed you jeremiah as a prophet to the nations. Now that is deeply personal and it's deeply challenging as we're about to see. Jeremiah uh, and his country are facing the end of the world as they knew it. And he was one man chosen by God who was sent to speak to, to challenge, to confront his country and tell them why their world was disintegrating. That's a big call, isn't it? That's a hard call to take. God, our sovereign God, is the God who still speaks to us. Maybe right now. Through his words. And actually still wants to speak through us to his world. So you look at verse 9. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth. This is Jeremiah speaking. And said to me, I put my words in your mouth. See today. I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Well, more of that in a moment. Um, For us, we do need to be wise in the application. We're not prophets in the same sense that Jeremiah was. He lived over two and a half thousand years ago in a very different world. We lived after Jeremiah, we live after Jesus, we live after the Spirit was given, we live after the New Testament was written, and the Word of God was completed. We, different, we live in a different eon spiritually, but a reminder for us that God speaks still through His Word primarily. Which is why here, for instance, we will always preach from the Bible. Which is why here, for instance, we will teach the Bible and study the Bible. Why our small groups look at the Bible. Why we do one-to-ones with each other, studying the Bible uh, together. Uh, Because we eagerly expect God to speak to us as we do so. And so we eagerly pray, and I hope you have been, that God would speak to us right now. As we explain and help one another to apply the Bible. Were you expecting that to happen when you walked in through those doors tonight? Are you eagerly expecting that to happen for next Sunday when you come to church? Will you pick up a Bible this week, tomorrow morning, and read it, eagerly expecting God to speak to you as you do so? And you see, God spoke not only to Jeremiah, but as we know, he spoke through Jeremiah. God touched Jeremiah and he said, I've put my words in your mouth. In verse 9. I have put my words in your mouth. And God made it abundantly clear that he wants to speak through him to his people. And actually that God still speaks through his word explained by people whether it's up front in a situation like this, or whether it's one-to-one, or whether it's a comment you make in a small group, that God will speak through people using his word to people today. So maybe a wise word, or a word of encouragement or rebuke just over coffee afterwards, or something you say in a small group, join one by the way, or in a conversation at the end of the service tonight, or whatever it is, uh, or maybe something you just feel you need to say to a friend of yours, a quiet word on the shoulder, a uh, tap on the shoulder, an arm around the shoulders and say something to them. But why not pray each day, each morning, that God would use you and speak through you to people who you come across this week. To his people, to people who are not his people. That actually you can use his word to explain to others who don't yet know him what it means to be a follower, Of our Lord Jesus. What Jesus did when he died for us. So we have a sovereign God. A sovereign God who speaks to and through us. And the second thing is a sovereign Lord who sends us. Now he clearly sent Jeremiah. And he sends us. Two at uh, first, Jeremiah. So look at verse five here. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations, divinely appointed as a prophet to the nations. And look at verse 10. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms, swap roots and tear down to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant divinely appointed. Now, that's a bit scary when you're 18. And he probably was around about 18. So look at verse six. Alas, Sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. Now that could mean I'm not an older guy, but most people think uh, that uh, Jeremiah at this point was a, as a late teenager. He had no experience public speaking. He had no training that we know of he had no expertise he had no standing in the community he was a young man from nowhereville who probably no one knew and god is saying jeremiah i'm sending you to the nations that's not just your country it's saying, i'm sending you to the nations plural to the known world and As we're studying his book tonight, for Jeremiah, the unknown world. He would never have heard of England, the UK, the European Union. He would never have heard of any of these places. And God was sending him and his word to us. A young, timid, shy, perhaps a depressive personality. And they tried to assassinate him. They ignored him, they marginalized him, they threw him down a dry well in an attempt to starve him to death. They took everything he'd written and they destroyed it, and then it all had to be written out again. He had a tough time, he had a hard calling. I'm glad I wasn't Jeremiah. But he was sent, and he went. And God said to him, don't worry. I know you're 18, I know you've got no experience, I know you've got no training, but I'm calling you, I'm sending you, and I'm going to be with you. And I put my word in your mouth, and it's going to be tough, but I will be right there with you. Jeremiah went, and he responded, and he walked into the turmoil of his world, and he spoke God's words. Good man, Jeremiah. Good example to follow. called Paul Barnett said this what is important to God is not bigness bigness of church buildings or numbers who gather there but faithful sacrificial service based on the example of Christ himself so Jeremiah went he heard God's call probably seemed a bit daft I'm 18 God don't you know but he went God said, I know you think you can't do this. And you're right. You can't. Without me. But I'll be there with you. And I'll give you the words. And I'll be standing right there with you. And you know something? God sends us. And he sends us not to uh, prophesy to the whole world, maybe... But he still calls us and he still sends us. And what's what's your response? I think quite often, you know, we get a bit like Jeremiah. Well, I'm too young. I don't have any experience. I haven't had the training. And uh, I don't know the Bible well enough. I'm going to be shown up. I've never done this before. Well, there was a time when I'd never preached a sermon before. and never led a church before. Never led a Bible study before. Never given a talk at a youth group before. I remember the first time I did it. Absolutely terrifying. Never given a talk on a camp before. First time I gave a talk on a camp, it was simply my testimony. And I'd prepared it so many times. I had the notes in front of me. I didn't look at the notes once. Because I'd just memorized them, because I'd gone through it so many times. Same thing happened the first time I did a reading in church. I was so absolutely terrified at doing a reading in church. I could still tell you now, Luke 2, 1-7, Carols by Candlelight, because I memorized it, because I practiced it so much. No excuses. You're not too young, you're not too old, you do know Bible well enough, you're not going to be shown up, and everyone starts somewhere. Can I just say a word? About our church operations manager. Uh, We're talking a bit more about it tomorrow night uh, to work out the way forward on this. Um, But we would love some more applications. And it may be that you know someone. Because I got a feeling actually that, uh, you know, between us, we know quite a good number of people who might be really good to follow on the brilliant work that David's been doing here. Do you know someone who could take that on? Could you take that on? Don't just say no. Might mean a complete change of career. That's fine. Why not? Why not? Anyway, do bear it in mind, and please do be praying, because we want some more uh, applications. And the other thing, um, Tim and I were talking just before the service. This is the diocesan year of vocations. Ever thought of getting ordained? Why not? Would you do that? Are you a leader? Could you serve the Lord in that kind of capacity? I think we ought to have some more people from here going to uh, consider that way forward. But we're very good at um, coming up with excuses just so to lighten things slightly uh, here are some excuses uh, taken from uh, insurance accident forms so someone wrote this coming home i drove into the wrong house and collided with a tree i don't have <laughs> a van backed through my windscreen into my wife's face someone else wrote in an attempt to kill a fly i drove into a telephone pole Someone else? I was on the way to the doctors with the, I can't say this. Yes, I can. I, I, I was on the way to the doctors with rear-end trouble when my universal joint gave way, causing me to have an accident. Those are parts of the car. The pedestrian had no idea which direction to go, so I ran over him. I was unable to stop in time, and my car crashed into the other vehicle. The driver and passenger then left immediately for a holiday with injuries. How does that work out? Anyway, um, let's get back to being serious again. If you're asked to lead a study, say at a small group, you can do it. You can do it. If you're uh, asked to be part of the explorers team, you can do it. If you're asked to be the person just for clicking to light tonight, like Wendy is so excellent. Have you noticed anything gone wrong with that? No, on the screens. Not at all. Because Wendy's doing it tonight. You can do it too. Why not? Uh, what do you think um, Jeremiah would be asking you, encouraging you to say? I think he'd be saying to us as a church, we're much too good at saying no and leaving it to others. Much too good. And we're much too good at not asking our younger people. I want guys, I want KO guys on our welcome teams. I want KO guys doing more stuff like leading services and things like that. I want you guys more involved in helping to lead and getting outside your comfort zones and so on. So let's do that. And Jeremiah would encourage us to have a go. And have a go in your own church family where you're amongst friends and where you'll be encouraged to take things forward. Ask for the training. Ask for the feedback. Be willing when asked. And not just here, but... You know, wherever it may be, whatever we may be asked to do in the Lord's service. The sovereign Lord speaks to us and through us. He sends us and time's whizzing on. So let's get on to the third point, which is the sovereign Lord judges wickedness. We see Jeremiah's message in verses 11 to 16. The problem with God's uh, uh, people uh, here is crystal clear. Look at verse 16, for instance. I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me, in burning incense to other gods and in worshipping what their hands have made. They've, uh, there are people who have given up on their God. The God, the only God, the sovereign God. And they've taken on other gods, which they have made. I mean, how ridiculous. But that's what they've done. And Jeremiah is saying, you'll be judged. Look again at the beginning of verse 16. I will pronounce my judgments on who? My people. And for God's people, then, it happened in their lifetime. Their country, God's country, was invaded by the Babylonians. Jerusalem was pretty well destroyed. All the most important people got deported. The country was just wrecked. But you know the worst thing underlying this? It's just there in the original language in verses 15 and 16. And it's saying very clearly, guys, the people doing this, the people who are forsaking their gods... Forsaking me and burning incense to other gods in verse 16. They're not just God's people. They are God's covenant people is what it says. The people who God uh, has personally committed himself to. The people who are personally committed, comm- personally committed themselves to their gods. They're not committed out anymore are they? They're out of here. They're a spiritual adulteress. Spiritually, they're about to get a divorce as God judges wickedness. You've got to believe this. And Jeremiah is given two pictures. He's given two pictures here of an almond branch and a boiling pot tipping towards them. Look at verse 11. The almond tree, actually where Anathoth, marshmallow time, uh, uh, where uh, Jeremiah's home village was, was they had loads of these almond trees. Now, think snowdrops. We've just been up in North Yorkshire last week. I reckon someone's been going around with snowdrop bulbs or whatever it is. There are millions of snowdrops all over the show there coming out. And you know the snowdrop; it's the first thing that happens. The first, you know, then you get the crocuses, then you get the daffodils, and so on. But the idea of the 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 snowdrop is, once you've seen the snowdrop, you know you're going to get the others as well. And the idea with the almond tree is, when you see the almond tree begin to blossom, you know the others will come as well. There's more to come. So Jeremiah, in the almond tree, is saying his words are going to come true because there's more to come. And then when he talks about this boiling pot from the north in verse 13, about to engulf us. Why the north? Because the Babylonians, although they came from over in the east, they had to go over what's known as the Fertile Crescent as they invaded, and then they came down from the north. So although they came from the east, they went over the top, and then they approached from the north. A terrifying new world superpower, like boiling oil being poured all over you. And no escape. The sovereign God judges wickedness. And it's shocking. That God calls this judgment. To engulf. His land. And his people. Now that should be a sit up and take notice time for us. As God's people. You being serious about being part of god's people and it should be even more serious if you're not one of god's people because the only because this boiling pot of god's judgment which awaits at the end of time or when you die whichever comes first is something the only way to avoid it is to turn to jesus christ and cry out to him that because of his death for you you can forgive your wickedness And give you a new life with him. And you can do that tonight. We'd love you to do that. So the sovereign God. He speaks to us. And through us. Pray that you would be the person who listens. And who speaks for him. With people you see tomorrow. Second. He's the sovereign God who sends us. Third. Is a sovereign Lord who judges wickedness. And then finally, and just fairly briefly now, he stands with us. Now, Jeremiah had a tough life. No one's uh, uh, pulling any wool over any eyes here. This is a hard call. And God never promises uh, to extract Jeremiah from his pain and the suffering of his calling. He says, this is going to be hard. But the thing you must remember is this. God says, they will fight you, but I will stand with you. God's way in general is not to stop the fight, but to stand by his people. And to give the fighters, his fighters, us, a triple lock guarantee of survival and success. So you look at the beginning of verse 18. Today, I have made you a fortified city, number one, an iron pillar, number two, and a bronze wall, number three, to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah. Remember, he's 18 hearing this, against its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. That is, every important person in the country And then he says, oh, and by the way, everyone in the country, Jeremiah, you're going to stand against these people and you're going to proclaim my word to them. And more than that, and this is extraordinary, Jeremiah holds out and keeps on doing this, as you see in the first three verses, for about 40 years or so. Courage of a frail man's hard-won convictions. It's extraordinary, isn't it? And God enabled him to do that as Jeremiah obeyed the call of the sovereign God. No one ever pretended that being a Christian is going to be easy. It wasn't for Jeremiah. And there's never a promise it's going to be easy for us either. But as we obediently live life God's way, with Jesus as our older brother and friend, we'll find that God stands with us, alongside us, and enables us to simply keep going, serving him, speaking for him, until that day when we win the ultimate prize. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Uh, For this book of Jeremiah, very challenging. Thank you, Lord, that you spoke to Jeremiah and you speak to us. Thank you that you spoke through Jeremiah. We pray, Lord, you'd speak through us. Please send us. Send us tonight. Help us to be obedient to you. To speak your word to people tomorrow, this week. Help us to remember, Lord, you do judge wickedness, and this is very serious. And to remember that you do stand with us, supporting, helping us, with us, and perhaps especially in those hard times. Lord, please encourage us. Please give us the courage we need. And pray, Father, that by your Spirit, you would strengthen us to follow you this week. And to remember Jeremiah's extraordinary example. For your name's sake. Amen.